Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Mojo five zero. I have a dream. WDDQ Talk 92.1 FM in Valdosta, Georgia. WJHC Talk 107.5 North Florida Talk Radio. Freedom in America Radio.com and WLBB News Talk AM 1330 and FM 106.3 in Carrollton, Georgia. I'm going to open this uh, with a segment that I call Blunt Force Muller. As you now know, the special counsel, special prosecutor, whatever you want to call him, showed up before Congress to testify this past week, and it was a disaster for Democrats. But before I get into that, I want to go back and let you know, back on the, I believe it was the 7th or the 2nd of June, Mueller gave a press conference, and there were certain things that he said that kind of made it 
interesting to me that there was ever a hearing. Here are some clips from his press conference back on, I believe it was June 2nd. Here's the first one. Thank you for being here. Two years ago, the acting attorney general asked me to serve as special counsel, and he created the special counsel's office. The appointment order directed the office to investigate Russian interference in the 2016 presidential election. This included investigating any links or coordination between the Russian government and individuals associated with the Trump campaign. Now, I have not spoken publicly during our investigation. I'm speaking out today because our investigation is complete. The Attorney General has made the report on our investigation largely public. We are formally closing the special counsel's office, and as well, I'm resigning from the Department of Justice to return to private life. All that to say, guys, I'm here and I'm done. This is it. You got your report. I'm quitting. I'm out. Leave me alone. Then he follows it up with this. I'll make a few remarks about the results of our work. But beyond these few remarks, it is important that the office's written work speak for itself. I have a few things to say, but if you really want to know what's going on, read the report. That's all he said. Next clip, he talks a little bit more in detail about those people who are actually considered the real villains here. Let me begin where the appointment order begins, and that is interference in the 2016 presidential election. As alleged by the grand jury in an indictment, Russian intelligence officers who were part of the Russian military launched a concerted attack on our political system. The indictment alleges that they used sophisticated cyber techniques to hack into computers and networks used by the Clinton campaign. They stole private information and then released that information through fake online and identities and through the organization WikiLeaks. The releases were designed and timed to interfere with our election and to damage a presidential candidate. And at the same time as the grand jury alleged in a separate indictment, a private Russian entity engaged in a social media operation where Russian citizens posed as Americans in order to influence an, an election. The Russians are guilty as sin. Got it. His report also went on to say that there was no one in the U.S., not one U.S. citizen, had anything to do with co cooperating with the Russians. Nothing. And let me make sure you get this, get this clear. So here's this clip from his press conference. The report has two parts, addressing the two main issues we were asked to investigate. The first volume of the report details numerous efforts emanating from Russia to influence the election. This volume includes a discussion of the Trump campaign's response to this activity, as well as our conclusion that there was insufficient evidence to charge a broader conspiracy. There was no conspiracy. Translation, there was no collusion. Are you picking up on this yet? I mean, it's pretty... Pretty direct. I'm done. Read the report. Here's what the Russians did. There was no collusion. And now there's this, <laughs> this other part here 
Um, well, there is. Let me play this one first because this this kind of covers something else that I think is important. We conducted an independent criminal investigation and reported the results to the Attorney General, as required by Department regulations. The Attorney General then concluded that it was appropriate to provide our report to Congress and to the American people. At one point in time, I requested that certain portions of the report be released. The Attorney General preferred to make make the entire report public all at once, and we appreciate that the Attorney General made the report largely public, and I certainly do not question the Attorney General's good faith in that decision. I didn't want the public to see everything we'd done, but the AG put me on front street. So let me recap this for you. I'm done. Here's your report. I quit. Two, read the report. Three, here's what the Russians did. Four, there was no collusion. There was no conspiracy. Five, the Attorney General put it all out there for everybody and their dog to read. And here's the last clip, which I think is really important. Now, I hope and expect this to be the only time that I will speak to you in this manner. I am making that decision myself. No one has told me whether I can or should testify or speak further about this matter. There has been discussion about an appearance before Congress. Any testimony from this office would not go beyond our report. It contains our findings and analysis and the reasons for the decisions we made. We chose those words carefully, and the work speaks for itself. And the report is my testimony. I would not provide information beyond that which is already public in any appearance before Congress. Translation. Don't call me. I don't want to come up here. I don't have anything to say. The reason I'm holding this press conference is to head you off before you call me up there. Let me recap. I'm done. You got your report, and I resign. Two, read the doggone report. Three, here's what the Russians did. Four, there was no collusion. Five, the attorney general put the entire report on front street, so I go back to point two read the report and the last point don't call me I ain't got nothing else to say nevertheless despite all that the Democrats in Congress did indeed call Mr. Mueller to Capitol Hill where he got roasted worse than peanuts at a baseball park here is what Jim Jordan did to actually destroy this man's credibility and make a mockery of both him and his entire work uh, as special counsel. Director, the FBI interviewed Joseph Mifsud on February 10th, 2017. In that interview, Mr. Mifsud lied. You point this out on page 193, volume 1, Mifsud denied... Mifsud also falsely stated. In addition, Mifsud omitted. Three times he lied to the FBI, yet you didn't charge him with the crime. Excuse me, are, did you Why say not? one? I'm sorry, did you say 193? Volume 1, 193. He lied three times, you pointed out in the report. Why didn't you charge him with the crime? I can't get into uh, internal deliberations with regard who would or would not be. Uh, charge a lot of other people for making false statements. Let's remember this. Let's remember this. 
In 2016, the FBI did something they probably haven't done before. They spied on two American citizens associated with a presidential campaign, George Papadopoulos and Carter Page. With Carter Page, they went to the FISA court. They used the now famous dossier as part of the reason they were able to get the warrant and spy on Carter Page for a better part of a year. With Mr. Papadopoulos, they didn't go to the court. They used human sources. All kinds of, from about the moment Papadopoulos joins the Trump campaign, you got all these people all around the world starting to swirl around him. Names like Halper, Downer, Mifsud, Thompson, Meeting in Rome, London, all kinds of places. The FBI even sent, even sent a lady posing as somebody else, went by the name Azra Turk, even dispatched her to London to spy on Mr. Papadopoulos. In one of these meetings, Mr. Papadopoulos is talking to a foreign diplomat, and he tells the diplomat, Russians have dirt on Clinton. That diplomat then contacts the FBI, and the FBI opens an investigation based on that fact. You point this out on page one of the report. July 31st, 2016, they open the investigation based on that piece of information. Diplomat tells Papadopoulos, Russians have dirt, excuse me, Papadopoulos tells a diplomat, Russians have dirt on Clinton. Diplomat tells the FBI, what I'm wondering is, who told Papadopoulos? How'd he find out? I can't get into the evidentiary file. Yes, you can, because you wrote about it. You gave us the answer. Page 192 of the report, you tell us who told him. Joseph Mifsud. Joseph Mifsud's a guy who told Papadopoulos. The mysterious professor who lives in Rome and London, works at teaching two different universities. This is the guy who told Papadopoulos. He's the guy who starts it all. And when the FBI interviews him, he lies three times. And yet you don't charge him with a crime. You charge Rick Gates for false statements. You charge Paul Manafort for false statements. You charge Michael Cohen with false statements. You charge Michael Flynn, a three-star general, with false statements. But the guy who puts the country through this whole saga starts it all for three years we've lived this now. He lies, and you guys don't charge him. And I'm curious as to why. Well, we can't get into it, and, uh, and it's obvious, I think, that we can't get into charging decisions. When the FBI interviewed him in February, FBI interviews him in February, when the special counsel's office interviewed Mifsud, did he lie to you guys too? Can't get into that. Did you interview Mifsud? Can't get into that. Is Mifsud Western intelligence can't or Russian intelligence? Can't get into that. A lot of things you can't get into. What's interesting, you can charge 13 Russians. No one's ever heard of. No one's ever seen. No one's ever going to hear of them. No one's ever going to see him. You can charge them. You can charge all kinds of people who are around the president with false statements. But the guy who launches every, the guy who puts this whole story in motion... You can't charge him. I think that's amazing. I'm not certain I, I, I'm not certain I uh, agree with your characterizations. Well, I'm reading from your report. Mifsud told Papadopoulos. Papadopoulos tells the diplomat. The diplomat tells the FBI. The FBI opens the investigation July 31st, 2016. And here we are three years later, July of 2019. The country's been put through this. And the central figure who launches it all lies to us. And you guys don't hunt him down and interview him again. And you don't charge him with the crime. Now, here's the good news. Here's the good news. The president was falsely accused of conspiracy. The FBI does a 10-month investigation, and James Comey, when we deposed him a year ago, told us at that point they had nothing. You do a 22-month investigation. At the end of that 22 months, you find no conspiracy. And what's the Democrats want to do? They want to keep investigating. They want to keep going. Maybe a better course of action, maybe a better course of action is to figure out how the false accusation started. Maybe it's to go back and actually figure out why Joseph Mifsud was lying to the FBI. And here's the good news. Here's the good news. That's exactly what Bill Barr is doing. 
And thank goodness for that. That's exactly what the Attorney General and John Durham are doing. They're going to find out why we went through this three-year three saga and get to the bottom of it. The time of the gentleman has expired. Most Thanksgiving turkeys that I'm aware of don't get carved up as thoroughly as that. The central figure to this whole thing, the one who put everybody on this track, was never interviewed once it was found he was lying. Ten months of investigation under Comey, another 22 months of investigation under Mueller. You got nothing, and the Democrats saying, well, that just means we just haven't looked under enough rocks yet. No, there just aren't enough rocks for you to look under. They don't exist. So which one? That's not the only one who took the good um, Mr. Mueller to task. Uh, Mr. Turner, representative from Ohio, took him down on a specific word that the news media jumped all over regarding the Mueller report. Mr. Mueller, I want to focus on one word in your report. It's the second to the last word in the report. It's exonerate. The report states, accordingly, while this report does not conclude that the president committed a crime, it does not exonerate him. Now, in the judiciary hearing, in your prior testimony, you've already agreed with Mr. Radcliffe that exonerate is not a legal term, that there is not a legal test for this. So I have a question for you, Mr. Mueller. Mr. Mueller, does the attorney general have the power or authority to exonerate? Now, what I'm putting up here is the United States Code. This is where the attorney general gets his power and the Constitution, and the annotated ver- cases of these, which we've searched. We even went to your law school, because I went to Case Western, but I thought maybe your law school teaches it differently. And we got the criminal law textbook from your law school. Mr. Mueller, nowhere in these, because we had them scanned, is there a process or description on exonerate? There's no office of exoneration at the Attorney General's office. There's no certificate at the bottom of his desk. Mr. Mueller, would you agree with me that the Attorney General does not have the power to exonerate? Uh, I'm going to pass on that. Why? Because it embroils us in a legal discussion. I'm not prepared to do a legal discussion in that arena. Well, Mr. Mr. Mueller, you would you would not disagree with me when I say that there is no place that the Attorney General has the power to exonerate, and he's not been given that authority. You would not. Again, I'm not going. I, I take your question. Great. Well, the one thing that I guess is that the Attorney General probably knows that he can't exonerate either. And, and that's the part that kind of confuses me. Because if the Attorney General doesn't have the power to exonerate, then you don't have the power to exonerate. And I believe he knows he doesn't have the power to exonerate. And so this is the part that I don't understand. If your report is to the Attorney General, and the Attorney General doesn't have the power to exonerate, and he does not, and he knows that you do not have that power, you don't have to tell him that you're not exonerating the President. He knows this already. So then that kind of changed the context I'm, of the I'm, report. I, no, we included in the report for exactly that reason. He may not know it, and he should know it. So you believe that the attorney, Bill Barr, believes that somewhere in the hallways of the Department of Justice there's an office of exoneration? No, that's not what I said. Well, I believe he knows, and I don't believe you put that in there for, for Mr. Barr. I think you put that in there for exactly what I'm going to discuss next. And that is, so the Washington Post yesterday, when speaking of your report, the article said Trump could not be exonerated of trying to obstruct the investigation itself. Trump could not be exonerated. Now, that statement is correct, Mr. Mueller, isn't it, in that no one can be exonerated? The reporter wrote this, that this reporter can't be exonerated. Mr. Mueller, you can't be exonerated. In fact, in our criminal justice system, there is no power or authority to exonerate. Now, this is my concern, Mr. Mueller. This is the headline on all of the news channels while you were testifying today. Mueller, Trump was not exonerated. Now, Mr. Mueller, what you know is that this can't say Mueller exonerated Trump. 
because you don't have the power or authority to exonerate Trump. You have no more power to declare him exonerated than you have the power to declare him Anderson Cooper. So the problem that I have here is that since there's no one in the criminal justice system that has that power, the president pardons, he doesn't exonerate. Courts and juries don't declare innocent, they declare not guilty. They don't even declare exoneration. The statement about exoneration is misleading, and it's meaningless, and it, it colors this investigation one word out of the entire portion of your report, and it's a meaningless word that has no legal meaning, and it has colored your entire I'm report. With the so CNN, Washington Post, everyone else, and the Democrats have seized on it for a while. Uh, he's not exonerated. Well, a prosecutor never exonerates. They either charge or they do not. That's it. They look at the evidence. They decide whether or not there are charges or whether or not. Now, in this case, Mueller looked at everything and said there's no crime. Now, practically, what's the difference between no crime and exoneration if you are operating as a prosecutor? There is none. But because he chose to stick that word in there, you get all this drama. One other thing from Mr. Mueller. You notice I'm using Mr. Mueller's own words here? Isn't that interesting? He um, and the Democrats went on and on about, well, you, you couldn't charge Trump because there was a letter out there that said you couldn't do it. Well, Mueller took issue with that. Now, before we go to questions, I want to add one correction to my testimony this morning. I want to go back to one thing that was said this morning by Mr. Liu, who said, and I quote, you didn't charge the president because of the OLC opinion. That is not the correct way to say it. As we say in the report, and as I said at the opening, we did not reach a determination as to whether the president committed a crime. I didn't, I didn't fail to charge him because there was a letter out there that said I couldn't. I failed to charge him because I couldn't determine that he did anything that was criminal. Let me help you out. The special counsel went through his 22-month investigation and all the drama that went with it that led to nothing of consequence. Don't get me wrong. He he disrupted a lot of people's lives, but it led to nothing of consequence. When it was done, he said, not only am I done, I quit. Read the report. Here's what the Russians did. There wasn't any collusion. The, the, The AG made sure everybody could read the report and don't call me, I don't want to come. So why did the Democrats insist that he come? Because Mueller failed. They gave him everything. They tried to cover for him. They tried to introduce legislation to make sure he didn't get fired. All this was to make sure that he delivered a report that made Donald John Trump guilty of stealing the 2016 election. And in the famous words of Pastor David Manning, we gave him everything he needed to succeed. And the nigga failed. That's exactly what it was. He failed. Now he has to do penance. And that's what this is all about. That's why you trot this man out there looking like a duddering old buffoon, getting lambasted by Republicans in Congress, being being schooled about his own report, having to contradict the words of Democrats. All this because it is time for you to pay the piper because you did not deliver the goods. That is all this was about, ladies and gentlemen, because we knew back in June there was no collusion. 
obstruction of justice was something they couldn't figure out. And even in the report, it said the reason we didn't charge him is we didn't find a crime. We couldn't agree that a crime was even committed, so we didn't, we, no charges. If you think the Democrats who went through all that drama to try to keep this thing going are satisfied with that, that outcome, you must live in a cave. They drug him. The Democrats dragged him because they had the word from the report. Exonerate was all they wanted to say. He's not exonerated. That's all they're looking for as the premise for continuing their BS witch hunt investigations. Well, 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 Mueller didn't exonerate him. Mueller can't exonerate him. He can't. But because he put the word in there now, and now you've had it broadcast all over the media, now it's a big deal. Are you serious? Are you serious? That That's the part that really gets to me, that somebody really wants me to believe that this is the deal. And they're going to keep going. Jerry Nadler with his Humpty Dumpty looking self is going to keep going. Nancy, uh, confused racist Pelosi, is going to keep trying to hold this little bandwagon thing together. Uh, Rashida Tlaib is going to keep talking about how she wants to impeach the, the MFR. And they're not going to touch anything. They've lost. They've lost the country. If they want to try to get the country back, they need to drop this. They're not going to drop it because they don't have anything else. They got no policy. They have no policy prescriptions. They have no positions. They got nothing except for their dislike of Donald Trump. Sad life, that one. Stanley Levy will be back. Oh, I'm the black man thinking about the way. And we'll be back right after this. Having an extra supply of food on hand is just smart. Some people call it prepping. I call it smart. You never know what's going to happen in this world. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com. You'll find out a lot of good reasons to have that food and some great prices. MyPatriotSupply.com. Now you can fly anywhere in the world and pay discount prices on your airline tickets. Book a flight today to London, Paris, Madrid, or anywhere else you want to go. And pay a lot less guaranteed. Call the International Travel Department right now at low-cost airlines. 800-452-1075. 800-452-1075. That's 800-452-1075. Brother Maynard, bring up the holy hand grenade. One, two, five. Please, up. Three. This is Defenders Live. Oakley, who's 33 years old. She's a yoga teacher from Newton, Kent. Drinking her own urine urine has uh, given her relief from a number of long-term side effects and issues, such as autoimmune disorder, Hashimoto's thyroid disease, and chronic pain conditions from fibromyalgia. You know what else it's kept her from having? What? Friends. Yeah. Uh, Probably a love life. Good breath. She tells the press that she started drinking her own pee when uh, when some people call urine therapy. No, you need therapy. 
You get great service and you do some good in the world with Patriot Mobile. Sign up for a Patriot Mobile account today. Start saving money, get great coverage, and do a little bit of good because they support companies, organizations, and candidates that you like. It's PatriotMobile.com slash doc. PatriotMobile.com slash doc. Levy, Black Man Thinking, here on Mojo Five O Radio. Uh, back again. Let's finish up this first hour by talking about campaigning for Baltimore, or rather, the whole state of Maryland, if you will. Donald Trump did what any good general would do if you're faced with an enemy that you're trying to defeat. You attack them. Now, you have to remember, liberals and progressives love to attack, but they're like the basketball team that likes to press. And it's an old saying, basketball teams that like to do a full-court press, they don't like to be pressed. It, it bothers them. Donald Trump is going to bother the Democrat Party between now and 2020. And what the, what the uh, Democrats intend to do in, in response is to claim victimhood. It's not going to work, except with those who already are hook, line, and sinker bought into the Democrats anyway. The rest of the country is going to take a look at what Donald Trump is saying, whether or not they agree with him, and start seeing some facts, and it's not going to look good for the Democrats. Let's get into this, because the person who is now on the Trump hot seat is Elijah Cummings. These are a few of the tweets that, Donald Trump unleashed, and I mean he unleashed. It was withering fire on Elijah Cummings. But Representative Elijah Cummings has been a brutal bully shouting and screaming at the great men and women of Border Patrol about conditions at the southern border when actually his Baltimore district is far worse and more dangerous. His district is considered the worst in the USA. He wasn't even warmed up yet. Again, as proven last week during a congressional tour, the border is clean, efficient, and well-run, just very crowded. Cummings District is a disgusting, rat-and-rodent-infested mess. If he spent more time in Baltimore, maybe he could help clean up this very dangerous and filthy place. Again, why is so much money sent to the Elijah Cummings district when it is considered the worst run and most dangerous anywhere in the United States? No human being would want to live there. Where is all this money going? How much is stolen? Investigate this corrupt mess immediately. Not surprisingly, of course, um, the left after they finished uh, getting over the immediate shock, they did what they always do. What? You, 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 would, you, would, you would hurt us? And then we have, I, I got to get to this first, because this is the thing that is most ridiculous. Victor Blackwell, who was a C, uh, CNN uh, 
reporter and anchor, went on TV on Saturday, the 27th, and cried for Elijah Cummings. This morning, the president attacked another member of Congress on Twitter. This time, it's House Oversight Committee Chairman Elijah Cummings. He wrote this. Cummings District is a disgusting, rat and rodent infested mess. If he spent more time in Baltimore, maybe he could help clean up this very dangerous and filthy place. No human being would want to live there. Infested. That's usually reserved for references to rodents and insects. But we've seen the president invoke infestation to criticize lawmakers before. You see a pattern here? Just two weeks ago, President Trump attacked four minority congresswomen. Why don't they go back to the totally broken and crime-infested places from which they came? Reminder, three of them were born here. All of them are American. Infested, he says. A week before his inauguration, January 2017, Congressman John Lewis should spend more time on fixing and helping his district, which is in horrible shape and falling apart, not to mention crime-infested. Donald Trump has tweeted more than 43,000 times. He's insulted thousands of people, many different types of people. But when he tweets about infestation, it's about black and brown people. September 2014, at the height of an urgent health emergency. Why are we sending thousands of ill-trained soldiers into Ebola-infested areas of Africa? Bring the plague to the U.S.? Obama is so stupid. Infested, he says. There's a revolution going on in California. So many sanctuary areas want out of this ridiculous crime-infested and breeding concept. Infested, he says. The president says about Congressman Cummings' district. That no human would want to live there. You know who did, Mr. President? I did. From the day I was brought home from the hospital to the day I left for college. And a lot of people I care about still do. There are challenges, no doubt. But people are proud of their community. I don't want to sound self-righteous. But people get up and go to work there. They care for their families there. They love their children who pledge allegiance to the flag, just like people who live in districts of congressmen who support you, sir. They are Americans, too. We'll be right back. That was among the most ridiculous demonstrations I've ever heard. I I grew up there. When did you leave, Mr. Blackwell? uh, Your bio indicates that you left in 1999. Have you been back? Have you been back to West Baltimore? So you've been gone for 20 years. You think that it's possible that something might have become different? Did you live in West Baltimore? I wonder how it is they're trying to get the whole city of Baltimore in Donald Trump's um, tweet storm when the only thing he's talking about is Elijah Cummings' district. So let me get this straight. You grew up in Baltimore. You left 20 years ago. You don't live there anymore. But now you are going to defend that of which you are ignorant. Mr. Blackwell, get your feminine behind off the air. Get out of here with that nonsense. Let's kind of look at some other things here. Kimberly Klasick is a uh, journalist who I believe lives in the Baltimore area. Nevertheless, she went on Fox News 
on Saturday and did a contrasting story trying to say, well, let's figure out what is it that Mr. Cummings as the Oversight Committee Chairman and the Congressional Representative for Maryland's 7th District, I believe it is, what are his priorities with regard to his own people? Bubble best in a very What does that mean? Come on, man. What's that about? None of us would have our children in that position. They are human beings. You know, there is a crisis at the border, but there's also a crisis in Baltimore. And I don't think many people realize this, but Congressman Cummings it represents the most dangerous district in America. So I went into the district to basically ask people if they were scared of Trump. Uh, Congressman Cummings said on a talk show on last Sunday, I believe, that his constituents were afraid of Trump. And as I go in and I start talking to people, I realize just what the living conditions are for not just the residents, but even the children there uh, and what they've been playing around. There's a Abandoned row homes filled with trash, um, homeless addicts, uh, empty needles that they have used. And it's really right next door. So it's attracting rodents, uh, cockroaches, you name it. Uh, but, you know, to have Congressman Cummings talk about the situation at the border is just, it's laughable. Because the conditions in his own district, and a lot of people said he hasn't even been there in a while, are atrocious. And, and not to mention, those that live there, I didn't find anyone that said they were afraid of Trump. You know, this is a deadly district where we had, I guess, two days ago... Eight people were shot in less than five hours. So to say that they're afraid of Trump is just ridiculous. But I did find out that there are many people that are actually on board with Trump's immigration policies. So I don't know who he was talking to in his district, but it wasn't the people I spoke to. Let's take a listen to the district resident's message to elected officials, and I want to get your reaction. Help us, because we're helping y'all. Y'all want our votes. Y'all want us to write Congress. Y'all want us to do this and do this. Y'all need to help us. Once y'all start helping us, maybe the neighborhood, maybe Baltimore gets better. Simply put, Elijah Cummings cares more about children of illegal immigrants who are actually being cared for at the southern border of the United States under better conditions than the black people who live in his district are subjected to. Why are you not doing something about that? Oh, by the way, um, the local news did a story back in February of 2017 regarding West Baltimore, which is Elijah Cummings' district, to kind of let you know that his ignoring the district didn't just start the day Donald Trump began tweeting. 900 block North Calhoun Street, West Baltimore, where every challenge facing Baltimore is deeply entrenched. I wouldn't raise my children in this area at all. Blighted buildings scar the community landscape. Of 22 properties on the block, 13 are owned by the city or housing authority. The rest by outsiders. A dice game draws a crowd on a warm afternoon. There's not much else to do. Crime is a bad neighbor no one can evict. The block drew our attention when we looked at long-term trends of violence. In 1998, the fatal double shooting of two men on the block were the city's first two homicides that year. Last year, there were at least three shootings on the block. There was a triple shooting in 2011, the same year the city saw a rare drop in homicides below 200. We could go on. But talk to people here. What they want is not more police. When I walked up to you in the corner, you said, you got a job for me? Yeah, you got a job for me? Need work. Everybody need work. Jobs are scarce. There is no bank, no grocery store. There is a corner store, a liquor store, a bail bondsman. 
Most people don't even finish school. They drop out. They drop out and they see their way out as selling drugs. And when you sell drugs, other things happen. You have crime. You have murder. It's one of these areas that everybody forgot. They don't. They forgot or they don't even care. I mean, I'm talking about government, city officials, anybody. The city condemned one blighted property as unsafe in 2011. Now it's going through the legal process for demolition nearly six years later. Around a corner, another abandoned building seems perfect for a horror movie set, but this is a real community. Community organizer Gwen Brown says indifference sends a powerful message. If you're in a community where it doesn't feel like anyone cares about you or doesn't feel like people care about the community, that contributes to the crime problem. The city's economic development map of the area is stark, virtually nothing in the works, despite its designation as a zone offering the most incentives. There's space over there. It just requires, it's a lot of work. And convincing businesses to relocate there requires not only incentives, but a lot of handholding. There is some private investment. Scott Plank, the brother of Under Armour CEO Kevin Plank, led the donation of more than $2 million for a renovation project of the Western District Police Station. It's sad to have a philanthropist come to my community and he feels like the best thing he can do is put a couple million bucks in the police station when you see all this other dynamic going on around him. The city's spending priorities may be mismatched against the community's needs. Since 1998, spending on policing in Baltimore has soared, up 48% adjusting for inflation, while the city's commitment to education is down 8% and health down 30% also adjusting for inflation. This year, city taxpayers are spending $481 million on policing, more than education, $265 million, and health, $137 million combined. As far as I've been in this area, there hasn't been a change with anything. Children are growing up as they, as they see the adults, and that's, that's all it's going to ever be, violence. I spoke to a young man who lives in this community, 19 years old, not on camera. He told me, I guess no one sees anything in this community. They just want to keep us killing each other. For the 11 News I-Team, I'm Jane Miller. So while Elijah Cummings cries about people and their children, no one wants to see this for their children, someone in his district says nobody, she wouldn't want to raise children where she lives in his congressional district. How come this? That was 2017. Nothing's changed much. Let me go back to uh, Ms. Uh, Klasik, Kim Klasik, because she continued her reporting in the district. Beyond that little Fox segment, she went out and spoke with people who lived in West Baltimore. He ran, she ran to a woman there named Michelle, and this was just interesting stuff. Eight blocks in West Baltimore is currently using a water system hooked to the fire hydrant. Somebody said that they don't have running water, right, because something happened. So they just running water from the water thing, you know, where the fire hydrant is. As far as the water system, I just want to talk about that a little bit. Do you know of anything or, or even know why there seems to be tubing coming up from underground connected to the fire hydrants? No. I really don't. That just happened in the last couple of days because it wasn't like that. And and then, then, muddy. It's like and, muddy yeah, water. It's, it's, it's the pipes. It's the pipes. The pipes are so old. They haven't been fixing anything. And like I said, just found out all this money's going to go into the city. They don't fix nothing. That's why all these sinkholes have been happening. And uh, God forbid if a sinkhole happened right here. Right. God forbid. The, the whole neighborhood just going down. The whole neighborhood just going down. Because when, when we have to get our water fixed, we have to pay out of pocket to get our water fixed. The city not going to come fix nothing. They're not going to come do nothing. 
And like I said, slum landlords around here don't want to do nothing to these houses, but they want their money on time. Right. And the government, if you owe if you owe taxes for the house, the um, the land that the house is on, they want their money. They not going they not going to tell you, oh, you can pay me next month and all that stuff. They not going to do that. They want their money. So why they can't support us like we support them? If you had uh, one message to uh, get out there to, you know, just officials or anyone that can make a difference that's in public office, not even a specific person, but anyone in public office, what would be your message to them? Help us because we're helping y'all. Y'all want our votes. Y'all want us to write Congress. Y'all want us to do this and do this. Y'all need to help us. Once y'all start helping us, maybe the neighborhood, maybe Baltimore will get better. So you have water systems that are hooked up to fire hydrants running dirty water into buildings and buildings still without water and residents having to pay out of pocket for these public utilities. Wow. They have running water down at the border, uh, Mr. Cummings. They have um, clean water down at the border for the migrants who are being kept there even though they should not be in the country. Now, the people who belong in the country, who live in your district, how come they don't have that? Oh, Ms. Klasik wasn't done. She had another um, <clears throat> reporting outing in West Baltimore the same day. Hello, it's me again, world. I was so excited when Ms. Kim told me how many hits that we got and that the president actually responded to He hasn't done anything for us. For the last, I think he's been in the office over 20 years. 30. 30? Okay, so I was like 18 back then, and he hasn't done anything for us. No cookouts, no shoe giveaway, no clothes giveaway, nothing for the. And then y'all just want to know about the house. He hasn't done anything. Today is Saturday, July the 27th, 2019, not 1819. It's today. It's, it's a little bit after 6 p.m. And like I said, I'm so excited. I'm so impressed with Miss Kim because. She's helping us, and she's the only one. Y'all need to put her in office. Y'all need to give her his job, for real. And I'm not. I'm just not saying that it's true. Okay, the house, as far as the house and everything, like I said, he has never done anything for not even one person I know of. I never heard anybody say anything about him. And people want to talk about Donald Trump, Donald Trump this, Donald Trump that. Why is this man over there taking care of people at the border? We hungry. We need a place to stay. We feel like we're in a concentration camp. And it's, it's just sad. He worried about more about them than his own people. It's, it's just crazy. Excuse me for venting like this, world, but it's, it breaks my heart to see this. It does. This, this, this neighborhood, the last time this neighborhood was thriving was 2003. 2003. That's a long time ago. That's a long time ago. And it's, it's, and it's just sad. And then they want to take the houses that just look nice on the outside they come around film houses that look nice on inside, outside, but really, don't nobody live in them houses. And they tore up from the floor. Like I said, world, please, we need everybody to get together and represent. Represent your neighborhood, whether you live west, east, north, south, way out in west, boom, boom, it doesn't matter. Just support your neighborhood, support your community, take care of each other. So, you get this picture from 2017 to 2019 that the people who live in Elijah Cummings district he's worried about everybody but them he's down there concerned about the folks at the border not taking care not even a cookout not even a giveaway 
In other words, he's just got the folks of West Baltimore bent over a chair, and he didn't even bother to give them a kiss before he tears up that behind. It's ridiculous. But that's what's going on. Nevertheless, his partners in crime, the other rhymes with regrows, yes, Baltimore's been run by black folks since the 1960s. Um, but <clears throat> the other rhymes with regrows down at City Hall were quick to come to Elijah Cummings' defense. Breaking news in Baltimore, where Mayor uh, Bernard Young is holding a news conference. This in reaction to the president's tweets uh, dealing with uh, that city. The president tweeted uh, attacking Representative Elijah Cummings, uh, tweeting basically, quote, that the Baltimore district is far worse than the southern border. It's disgusting, rat and rodent infested mess. The Baltimore city officials have taken umbrage to that. Here is the mayor. We all know our city to be home to a collection of unique and inviting neighborhoods, world-class medical institution, and a thriving research and tech scene. Baltimore has a lot to offer. We can never allow nasty and hurtful rhetoric to go unchecked by the President of the United States of America. I want to bring up my partner in government, the City Council President, to say a few words. Uh, thank you, Mr. Mayor, and thank you to all my colleagues and the police commissioner for being here today. We know that Baltimore is a great American city, and like cities across the country, we say, face significant challenges. Uh, and there is no better and greater champion for Baltimore and cities like Baltimore than Congressman Elijah Cummings. He has undoubtedly been a, and continues to be a hero across Baltimore and across our great country. It should be beneath the dignity of the President of the United States, the person who's supposed to be the leader of the free world, to disparage and personally attack a great American city and another great American leader. However, it's clear that it is not beneath President Trump. Uh, the President should be ashamed that instead of upholding his hope of office to put the greater good of all American citizens, no matter where they live and who they voted for, above all else, that he decided to do the opposite, that he wants to attack an American city instead of realizing that he, above any other person on this planet called Earth, is in a position where he can help. We stand ready and willing to work with the president if he wants to go beyond tweets to help us solve some of the issues that are deep and rooted in Baltimore's history. We've heard the president often talk about infrastructure, but he has yet to deliver. And we know that Baltimore not only is a physical city, but through jobs and through families and people who get those jobs will be changed through a significant infrastructure impact made by our federal government. We know that Baltimoreans and other individuals across the country live in housing that is substandard and that if uh, President Trump and his HUD director, who should know, how Baltimoreans live in East Baltimore got serious about making that agency work for the benefit of Baltimoreans and people in cities like Baltimore, instead of trying to cut the budget for that agency every year, the change that could be made. President Trump, what you are doing is the opposite of what your office is supposed to do. We want to work with anybody who wants to make American cities and for us Baltimore a better place. But we will not stand by and let you beat down on our city. We will not let you stand by and let you beat down on our congressperson. We are about solutions. We are here. We are ready to work with you. Stop tweeting. Let's start working. Thank you. Any questions? 
Have you heard from Congressman Cummings? No, I haven't heard from Congressman Cummings um, at this moment, but I plan to call him. <clears throat> so you're out here carrying Elijah Cummings' water, and he didn't even give you a phone call? He hasn't reached out to you? Let's back up on something. Uh, Donald Trump, you re- no, Donald Trump is not responsible for the cities in the United States. He's responsible for the federal government. Uh, the city of Baltimore has a mayor. It got a bunch of corrupt mayors, and I don't know if this latest Jack Rabbit is any better than the one who told um, the police to stand down while people rioted in the city. And a lot of that rioting went on in Elijah Cummings' district. So let me get this straight. You want to carry water for this guy. What are you doing mayor, city council, about the fact that you've been officially declared the murder capital of the USA, 56 homicides per 100,000 people. That's more than anywhere else in America. What you doing about that? Because you jacked yourself up by having that idiot Marilyn Mosby go out and try to prosecute six police officers for a death they had nothing to do with Freddie Gray, and as a result, you told all the police, you know what, we ain't, no, we ain't going for this. If we try to do our job, and you're going to sit there and jack us like this, we're going to stand down and wait for stuff to happen. And as a result, you are now the murder capital of the U.S. What are you doing, Mr. Mayor and Mr. City Council President, about the fact that Baltimore is the heroin capital in the United States, with fully one-tenth of the population, not one-tenth of adults in the population, one-tenth of the population of Baltimore using or abusing heroin. What does Donald Trump have to do with that? Because it's been like that for a minute. You were the murder capital of the U.S. before Donald Trump was inaugurated. What are you doing about that? And the rats and rodents that are going on in West Baltimore, that's been going on for a minute. So when you try to tout Baltimore and you want to sit there and and put wallpaper up and whitewash this whole thing going on in West Baltimore, when all the citizens there know that you ain't about nothing, they just, for whatever reason, they too snake butt to to vote for somebody else. Bless their little dumb hearts. Man, come on with this foolishness. You're not fooling anybody. You're not tricking anybody. Donald Trump is going for the jugular on someone who doesn't care about the people in his district. And instead of people caring about the folks in the congressional district, all they care for is this milk dud with a face etched on it named Elijah Cummings. And we won't even talk about how corrupt he and his wife are. We won't go there. Man, all right, I'm a two, hour two, because I just can't do any more of this right now. Stanley Levy, Black Man Thinking, we'll be back with the second hour. The New York Times, most white leftists, Democrats, and their black American compadres only describe themselves when they label others as intolerant. Hello, I'm... Ron Edwards, on today's page from the Edwards Notebook, Democrat leftists like Michigan Representative Tlaib, Representative Omar of Minnesota, Ayanna Presley of Massachusetts, and Aok of New York are on a mad mission to fundamentally transform America into a leftist-oriented land of tyranny. Identity politics, 
not seeking real solutions to problems, is the fuel that runs the engine of their mangled minds full of twisted thoughts, consisting of hatred toward America and we the people who seek to maintain and improve upon our exceptional nation way of life. Not once have the foolish four recognized the good economic news for black Americans or women who have landed 60% of the new jobs created since the Trump tax cuts and deregulation efforts were enacted. Representative Presley's suggestion that there is a singular brown or black voice with which we should all speak reeks of the intolerance, ignorance, and racism she claims to fight. Actually, the only thing she and her compadres are fighting against is America. I'm Ron Edwards. Join me live Fridays at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific on americamatters.us. Ron Edwards, the new voice of America. is the seditious, rabble-rousing, liberty-loving, home of fun, entertaining, and compelling talk. Mojo Five-O.